One out, nobody on. The payoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. And welcome to episode six of the Autobot podcast. Uh, my name is Justin Vibber, and once again, I'm joined tonight by Niv Shaw and Chad Young. On this episode, we are going to start our positional breakdowns. We're going to begin with the catcher position. Um, it's a little bit of a unique position as far as the hitting side goes, um, but we're going to start there. Um, Chad, how do you think we want to approach this tonight as we begin these positional kickoffs? Um, what, 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 where do you want to begin? Do we want to just start at the, yeah, the top I tier? So move um, on down from there. Catcher, I think that there's <laughs> such a clear top tier that like, at least for me, there's a clear top tier. Like there's three guys that to me are the studs and might as well jump in and talk about them. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, we, we, we think those guys then that Gary Sanchez, JT Real Muto and Yasmani Grandal in some <laughs> order, in some order, I, yeah. I mean, you could argue that, right? Like I, right now, I'm looking at the the latest version of the surplus calculator dollar values, and this was a couple months ago before everything went crazy. Um, it was basically Sanchez and Real Muto tied at the top uh, with Grandal in a very close third place. Um, I personally would probably put Grandal first and Sanchez second, and then Real Muto a half tick below the other two. I don't know if you guys agree with that ordering or if you'd have a different I think it varies a little bit by format. I, I also have Grandal first. I I really, really liked him for a long time. I think um, that park he is going to is uh, it is a very pleasant park to hit in. <laughs> and so um, I, I think he's going to enjoy that. Um, but I also think I, I think that for, for some other formats or maybe some changes, like I tend not to think five by five as much because I'm not a new. I tend to do points or four by four. In five by five, um, I think Real Muto is probably the guy. Um, I would probably take him over the other two. Right, because of because of the and, and average as well. If I'm, if I'm correct, I think he. Yeah. I'm gonna pull up some, yeah. some numbers he's, he's here to make sure I'm not crazy. He's definitely gonna give you the best batting average of those guys. I, yeah. I would go towards Gary Sanchez, but I usually let power dictate um, everything else, like all the way down. So you trust the power. You, I mean, Gary Sanchez, how much longer do you get to play him a catcher? Like, how long is that guy going to be able to be a catcher? Like, you take advantage of that while you can. And um, and the power is just, I mean, I think that of those three guys, he has the best power. Like, it's that's on a yeah, un- unquestionably. I mean, last year he had, he only got 446 plate appearances last year. Right. Um, he had 34 home runs. I mean, that's nuts. Grandal that's and Real good. Muto, uh, Real Muto had 593 plate appearances. Grandal had 632. So they played like 50 percent more than, than than Sanchez did, and yeah. had uh, 25 home runs for JT, 28 for Yasmani. Um, so like he's in another another category. Right. And, and for me, like, especially focusing on four by four, I think 
um, power dictates so much of what happens on the offensive side there. And, um, and generally like power is, is the hardest thing to find, I think across your entire roster, like across your entire offensive strategy, like power is the rarest thing. I mean, for a good reason. So if you can find a bonus there, you can find a guy who you can slot into util on his, on, on certain days or however you want to use him. Um, I think that's, that's valuable. I will say that that one of the themes I think we're going to discuss tonight is, and we we talked about it in the last two episodes, is how this potential short season is going to affect strategy. I think this is a position where some of that's really going to be keyed in on, and that to me might make me feel that's like um, Real Mudo and Grandal get a little bit of a bump in value because they are those guys that are going to play a lot. Um, Sanchez has had some difficulty getting through. And, and, and accruing as many games and, and plate appearances in a season. So you could make the argument that a guy like Grandal, who played 153 games last year, it, it gets a leg up on on the rest of the elite tier because he might be more likely to, to accrue more playing time this there's year a, as well. There's so. a what-do-you-need question here. We talked about it briefly in, the, in terms of the 5-by-5, the five five where you know batting average last year, Real Muto was a 275, Grandal 246, Sanchez 232, like... He's much better there. He's going to steal you bases that the other two aren't going to steal you. Um, but even beyond that, like Grandal had a 380 on base last year. Real Muto had 328. Uh, Sanchez had 316. Um, they're just really different players, despite the fact that they are a clear tier amongst themselves at the catcher position. And so, you know, if you're if you're in a a second, third, fourth year draft and you're looking at catcher, you should know what you need. And if power's what you need, Niv's right, go get Gary Sanchez. And if on base is what you need, go get Grandal. And if you're playing five by five, go get JT Real Muto. If you're starting a new league, maybe you see if you can wait a little bit rather than getting one of these guys early and see how your team is coming together because they just bring such different strengths to the table. They're all good almost across the board, but they're they're really different strengths. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good point because looking at my five by five values, it, Real Muto is twenty five dollars and Sanchez is nineteen and a half. So, I think he definitely has a separation in in five by five. Um, but again, I do think that in the point leagues, Sanchez might get dinged a little bit because of the way this season's gonna gonna shake out. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's. Is there anybody that's not that we haven't talked about there? Okay, we've got that tier of three. Is there anybody that we think could be coming into that top tier this year? Realistically, when we have this conversation next year, we're going to be talking about this other catcher that's there, right? I mean, the big name maybe is the guy who hit the best last year in Mitch Garver. I mean, do we think that's for real? You know, do we think I that think continue? the uh, the underlying skills for Garver, the the exit velocity, the launch angle, like all the pieces are there. It just seemed to come out of nowhere for him, and so I'm I'm pretty skeptical. I, I don't know that I buy. Um, he had a an almost thirty percent home run per fly ball rate last year. Strikes me as the kind of guy who really benefited from the rabbit ball, and we'll see if that ball is still around or what goes on. But I'm just not. Um, I think I think you're you're right to bring him up here, right? If if a year from now so we're saying there's a clear number one and it's not one of the guys we already talked about, I think Garver's the next guy in line there, or the most right. likely to hit that that. Or at least tier. like next year, we're talking about four or five catchers instead of three, right? Because 
Uh, Wilson Contreras also can be in that conversation, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think um, Contreras is one of those guys that we've seen that ability before. Um, and I think he could definitely, and he's still young, you know, he's still 28. Um, he, he had a rough 2018. He was, he was better last year. And I think he could continue and, and be right in that conversation. The projections are projecting him to be a little bit lower than he was in 2019. And I think a lot of that is because he had that rough 2018, which we can't ignore. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he puts up a repeat, repeat. and if he does, then he's right well, there in that we're, conversation as we're talking too, about this, so. I mean, we, we started with a clear top three, but your top catchers by both WRC plus and, uh, Woba last year are Garver and Contreras in that order. Um, so, right. you know, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not, maybe it isn't fair to them to, to say that they're a tear down. I, I, to me, they're not as established. They're not as clear cut. They're not as reliable. I think there's bigger question marks with both of them. And so that's why to me, they're not in that tier, but yeah, I mean, one of them could certainly be there next year. It's definitely a possibility. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of that, the, the, the way that you have to evaluate and, and place valuations on players, there are, are people that primarily do that based on projections. And that's what I do. And that's what those surplus dollar sur- surplus calculator dollar values are doing. They're based on the projections and those projections are what have those two, three guys that we mentioned in that top tier. Um, but if you place more value on recent performance, then that's where you're going to look at Mitch Garver and you're going to look at Wilson Contreras and, and maybe weight that recent performance more highly Let me than, ask you, Justin, than what the projections you are, are Like you said, you are a, a uh, projection guy through and through. Um, we got our four by four auction tomorrow. Contreras and Garver are in your surplus calculator, assuming those are roughly the values you're using at $10.5 for Contreras, 10.2 for Garver. You go to $11 for either one of those two? Give away some strategy before um, we go into the auction tomorrow. <laughs> I, I would I would spend more on Contreras than Garver. I know that the I can buy the argument that the upside is greater with Garver because we yeah. saw him put up a monster year. Um, so I can completely buy the argument that his upside is greater, but I'm probably more likely to spend more on Contreras because I think he's a better bet to, to earn your money back. Weird way of saying Um, you're a Cubs in general. (laughs) I, you know, we, I mentioned this before we talked tonight because I knew you were going to talk about Contreras. I'm really, as, as much as I am a Cubs fan, I really try to separate that out when I make any sort of fantasy decisions because, yes, I want to own Cubs players that I like. Of course, we all want to own players we like. Um, but I, I, it's one of those things that you see other people do and you identify it as, man, why does he keep spending that much on, a Phil- on, on all yeah. the Phillies players or all the Yankees players? You know, I... I, I, I grew up playing fantasy baseball in, in Western New York and everybody was Mets and Yankees fans. So those players were, were always way more expensive than they should be. And, you know, so I've tried very hard not to, to fall into that trap of overpaying for, for home guys. But um, I also think that Contreras is legitimately, as far as talent goes, should be part of that conversation in that upper tier. So I, Garver did it. We can't deny that he had a fantastic year last year. Um, I saw him in person here in Rochester as he was coming up. So I know that there's talent there and he, and he stings the ball. I just don't know. 
catchers are weird, man. Like the the late breakouts, the catchers the fact are that, weird. That even I mean, that's what it is. You know what? what, what three catchers every year qualify for the batting title. I mean, it's, it, you just don't get a lot of performance out of them that is as reliable as far as, well, they played a whole season last year. Well, that whole season was only 450 plate appearances. So you have to wait it just a little bit. Speaking less. Of, of reliability, um, there are, are there any other catchers other than those five? So to me, those five guys, there, there's a clear top tier at, the top. There's another couple guys we just talked about who, if I drafted them, I'm like, yep, got my catcher. I'll need a backup, but I've got the position basically covered. Are there any other catchers who you're like, yes, I'm really happy this guy's my starter. I'm going to plug him in every day and I don't need to think about this any further other than picking up, you know, some backups or guys to fill in. Is there anyone else that you're like that confident in? No, no, I mean, I no, not at all. I think like <laughs> the one, like one of the things, if you're playing in a non head to head, you have two catcher slots. And I think given the short season and the catcher depth in major league baseball right now, as it is, you got to use both those slots this year. Like you just really have to, you, you're just going to want to hit your game slots and you're going to want to just, you're going to want to stream. Basically you're going to want to create, you're going to want to build a catcher out of two or three guys. So I, I, I think that's always the case. Right, I guess right. the question I'm asking more is there's a difference between I've got two or three guys and on any given day, I'm going to play matchups. I'm going to see what's going on. And I've got a guy and he's my starter and I'm going to him whenever I can. And then I've got two or th- two other guys, one or two other guys, because I know I'm going to have to fill in. He's not going to play every day. Like, And I think because the reality is all of your catchers, basically, except for maybe... Real Muto and uh, Grandal, like th- nobody's playing ninety percent of the time. You're going to have to fill in a lot. I'm I'm right. trying to ask, like, other than the five guys we've talked about, is there anyone who you even would go into the season and be like, yes, this guy, if he plays, if it's a if it's a sixty game season and this guy plays forty games, I am starting him forty times. Um, no, but the one name that would come to mind that could be very close to that level would be Will Smith for the Dodgers. I think yeah. he, you know, I could absolutely, if I owned him, if I, if, like, if I left out, out of that auction, we're starting tomorrow night and Will Smith is my top catcher. I'm pretty comfortable with the idea that I'm going to start him every time he's, he's actually starting in the lineup for the Dodgers. Um, I wouldn't be panicking about that. If he was my primary option, knowing that, as you said, short of, a couple guys you're going to need to mix and match no matter who you own. Um, I think he's probably the only one that I might reach that point of comfort. Um, but I can't think of anybody else. I think everybody else is just, it's going to be a tandem. It's going to be, it's somebody I know that I'm going to have to sit um, based on platoon splits. Well, I think everyone's in the same so. uh, boat on this one this year, right? Especially this season when we're talking about um, the short se- a short season, like it's going to be shorter than, what we had, right? So, or what what we've had in the past. So, if we're looking at a short season, everyone's uh, building a catcher out of component parts, and there's going to be, I mean, playing time splits. You're going to see more of a percentage from backup catchers, from maybe even third catchers. So, everyone has. I think there's. It's it's really interesting because if you're short of, I'll say the first three to five guys we talked about, you really can. You have a lot of options. I think. I think there's a lot of players that you can get that are one or two or three dollar flyers 
that may not get enough playing time to be useful in a regular baseball season, but given the percentage of games they'll play in a shorter season, could you could you could jerry rig something together? I think. I mean, that's the way I would approach catching this year. No, I I agree completely. To me, it's very much a uh, a streamable position. Uh, well, streaming isn't the right it, word because you're I not going to mix and match is, during right? the season. I think but... normally you'd want to create this like primary catcher. I mean, if you could find a primary catcher and then fill in the fill in the blanks, unless you have one of these top four or five guys. But this year, it's extremely streamable. Like it's extremely streamable, right? Like more so than than other years. And I think it's going to, the reality is going to yeah. force you to have to do that. So let me, let me throw out a couple other names. So I'm looking at so. the Fangraphs leaderboard for catchers, guys with 200 plus plate appearances last year, sorted by WRC plus. And some of the other names that were in the top, let's say top 10 last year, who I think are probably worth asking. You, you sure this guy isn't your go-to? Um, third last year was Tom Murphy. Uh, he was sharing the job with Omar Nevaez, who I'm going to mention in a moment, but he was sharing the job with Omar Nevaez in Seattle. He now has that job basically to himself, I think. Nevaez has gone to Milwaukee, and I don't I don't think there's anyone else that's going to be taking time from Murphy. Um, he's been a guy who for a long time people have thought could break out, sort of did last year, and now has a job. Um he also had a 340 BAPIP last year, so like, there, there's some question marks there. But like, he starts to maybe edge up into that. You know, yeah, I feel really good about him as my starter group. For either of you, he wouldn't for me. No, I think primarily because, you know, that was a 281 yeah. plate appearance sample. He's he's at 491 in his career. He's a 102 WRC plus. So I think he's a good player. I think he's an average hitter. I think he's shown that so far. But I wouldn't be banking on a 355 weighted what on about base, Nervais? 126. Um, I think he's going to benefit from the from the park and league change, um, and it wouldn't shock me at all if he had sort of a continuance of, of the breakout that he had last year. Um, well, really, I guess I, I guess I didn't realize how well he hit in 2018 for the White Sox too. Back to back years, he's of just a horrendous plus, catcher, uh, so he doesn't get a lot of attention. But he's uh he can yeah. hit. Well, and maybe and maybe he soaks up some DH time. I know they've got a lot of other bats in Milwaukee, but um, I mean he, I think he's. I think we 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 get to a point where we have a lot of sort of just mid upside, mid ceiling types yeah. in this in this range, um, where I don't think there's as many guys short of a guy like I already mentioned Will Smith or maybe a guy like Carson Kelly. Short of those young guys or those those guys that are in their mid twenties who could have that sort of late breakout, um, I, there's not a lot of guys I think that really offer yeah. a ton I think of upside. Kelly's an interesting one, and then as I mentioned, I was looking at that top ten list by WRC plus. The other two names that other than the guys we already talked about are Robinson Trinos with the Astros and James McCann, who had a great year for the White Sox last year, but is uh, basically worthless this year. Right, I mean, you, you might want to handcuff Grandal yeah, with him, but like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not counting on McCann for anything. So, I, I think you're probably right. I think Narvaez is pretty interesting to me. I do think Murphy's interesting. I, I um, you know, we're we're going to talk later in this episode about breakouts, and he, I didn't list him as my breakout because I think he sort of did it last year, but he is a guy who, um, has a full time job that 
he's sort of been, we've been waiting on him to get that opportunity. He took advantage last year of a half job. Now he's got a whole job. Like, I think he's super interesting. I, th- I like the the changes for Narvaez that you mentioned. Yeah, and I think I think if you're looking again at this season, like I'm going to reiterate it, you got two catcher slots in auto new, and you have um, a short season. Like these guys who had half seasons that were good in the past, like they're going to get the half season this year. Like they're going to get percentage wise of the games played, they're going to play twenty games, thirty games if it's a sixty game season. Like or maybe twenty twenty five, right? Like we're looking at a weird pace and a weird, weirdly packed in year. And I think it affects catcher probably more than it affects anything other than pitchers. Right. Like it's, I think it's true. I agree. And so you're looking at a guy like, like I'm looking at, um, Woba and ex Woba leaders from 2019. And I'm looking like, you know, when I'm looking at this baseball savant leaderboard, I'm, I'm dropping my, uh, minimum PAs way down when thinking about what to look for in 2020. And, you know, when I see Kevin Smith up there uh, who has, like, this uh, 346X Woba and, like, that's kind of compelling. Like, that's a top 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 10 in 200 plate appearances. Like, I don't know what his story is this year, but I have to look at it a little bit closer than I would have in the past, right? And when we're talking about uh, Navarez, like, that's another guy where he shows up pretty high on the Woba um, on the Woba leaderboard. So you're having this conversation about a guy who you know, maybe in the past didn't get the playing time that would make him anything more than a dollar flyer, hoping that a catcher breaks, uh, gets uh, someone gets hurt and he's a handcuff or someone gets hurt and he gets a little bit more playing time. But this year, like any, like you can have three catchers rostered on every team and all of them are going to get enough at bats that you can start constructing your, your total catcher out of that, out of like what those components. So so I don't think there. I think the list gets real long this year, and I think it's like the long tail of it is long. And, and once you get past, I think really past the first three or four, I mean maybe Contreras and maybe um, not maybe Garver. I would say Garver. Let's slide Garver up because I think he's going to get the playing time to 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 figure it out at least. But once you get past that, like there's going to be a lot of fifty fifties. A lot of guys who instead of playing four out of six games, they're going to be playing three out of six games a week, and it totally changes like. Um, the backup value, right? So, so your list gets really your your tail on catching gets really long. I, I agree with that. I think I, in general, it's a pretty deep position this year because of that. Um, you, you mentioned handcuffing, and I, it, it made me think. Like, do you think that that's a valid strategy specifically for this year? Like, if I'm a Wilson Contreras owner, do I do I roster Victor Caratini so that I can? probably play whoever's starting yeah, in, the, in the Cubs lineup there. every day and then have a third guy to mix and match. Like, is that a viable strategy? Has that been a viable strategy for you guys in the past? Um, and if not, would it be this year as a unique circumstance? For baseball I've tried it in the right? past, Chad. Have you tried it in the, in the past? Um, I've taken both catchers. <laughs> I've taken both catchers in a platoon before. Um, of course, they were both bad and then I'm bad. <laughs> but if, if um, you know, if you have a situation where you are talking about someone with the quality of a Grandal or a Wilson Contreras uh, on the top end, like, yeah, of course you handcuff that. Like again, you have in most formats, you have two catcher slots, like run both those catchers out there every single day. You don't have to worry about it. And have the third guy in there for when you're like, I really don't like this matchup. Like if the Cubs are facing a pitcher that I don't want to have to just manage at all, like I have a third guy that I'm happy with, or, 
you know, you mess with Contreras and your other guy and you bring in, I, I think that's a totally, I think it works better this year though, is, is my main point. I think, I think better this year. the challenge yeah, I have I, with that is that there's so many teams who have a backup catcher whose job is to be the defensive catcher, right? Like, like if you're building a team, a lot of times that backup guy is not a guy you're counting on. You're not going to use him to pinch hit because you don't want to waste your, your only backup catcher option. You're not going to use him to pinch run. Like they're not, they're not, they're not there to do everything. They're there to step in once a week or late in games and be great defensively. And that's not always the case, right? I don't, I don't know, but it, but I see it a lot. And so I, I find that like there are backup catchers I want, but it's pretty rare that I can think of a situation where I've thought I want the starter and I want his backup. And I, I think, you know, maybe Contreras and Caratini is a good example this year. I'm certainly looking retroactively, somebody who went out last year and picked up Narvaez and Tom Murphy and just ran with both of them was real happy with the way that played out for the Mariners. Um, I don't know. I can't think of a lot of examples though, where I would have felt good about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's rare. I think I've done that in the past with like the Rockies situation with their catchers. Um, I don't know that that they have the catching right now to, to do that, but um, I think the Cubs are the obvious fit because I do think Caratini hits well and will hit I well. Take, um, I would take all the Twins catchers I think, right now. I, I was just about to bring them up. I didn't want to spoil, uh, you know. The, the uh, discussion that we're going to have shortly, but yeah, I think, I think the twins have three interesting catchers. I mean, depending on how you feel about um, um, the guy who's presumably the backup, but I, you know, I think that the nationals, I think Suzuki's a better hitter than Gomes. Twins backup so, catcher is Alex Avila. Well, really, I think, I think that yeah, according to roster a, resource, a studio, yeah, it could though. be a studio, but all three of those guys hit. And that's well. We can get into it more later because um, I I flagged a studio as my breakout uh, candidate. But I think there's um, given again the, the components of what this season will look like. Just take all three Twins catchers. You're not spending too much money on anyone other than Garver, and you're set. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I don't. I don't. I don't buy a via at all. And a studio we'll talk about in a moment. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll hold off on him. Yeah. Well, my hope. Well, my, I mean, I don't know if Avila is going to get that much run. So that's the question. Anyway, Justin, go ahead. So I, 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 I was just curious, you know, it, because I've done that in the past, and it wasn't. I have to agree with Niv. I don't know that it always worked out, especially yeah, I mean, well owning two catchers from the same team. But I, from my perspective, the idea was, okay, I'm locking in 150 games owning these two guys because one way or another, another they're they're probably going to play. Right. The and we, and, games, when, and but, when we go back to um, two episodes ago, I believe, when we talked about hitting in the short season, like it's a sprint, man. We're talking about a, a short season where you really want to hit game caps at almost – the expense of anything else, right? So, so if you can fill them out yeah. with uh, those two Cubs catchers, like, yeah, I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't. It, oh, it, here's a question. Sorry, no, you go ahead, Chad. Question. So here's a question that is somewhat tangentially related to what we're talking about. Are there any catchers that currently have catcher eligibility that might get more playing time at, at DH or first base or something like that, that, 
you know, I'm thinking about like right. Gaddis in the past, right? Where, where, you know, he was catcher eligible, but he, but he wasn't in the lineup as a catcher. Um, and are there yeah. any of those? I can't think of, I'm we trying to think of a situation. Yeah. The only name. Mejia, in, yeah. In San Diego. Catcher kind of thing. And, I mean, and possibly Asadio too, because he's, he's played at third base and he's, you know, they, they try yeah, to use studio. his versatility, you know, when he's, when he's actually on the, so roster. the next, one of the next things we were going to talk about is sleeper catcher. And Niv, you already, you already teased a studio. Yeah, I think he's, he's an interesting guy to talk about. I think the challenge is, um, I think the twins, because their pitchers have been a little rough and they want to have the right catcher behind there are less likely to lean on him if they feel like they have someone else. And I don't think he's going to get time at other positions. Yeah, but it does tie into what Justin said because, well, they are a deep team, but I think he is one of the reasons that they are deep, right? And um, it ties into what Justin said, which is that uh, Studio has C. He has a little C next to his name. That's not going away this year, right? Like, no matter if he ends up playing at other positions. So if you have the opportunity, for me, he's a really interesting candidate for a breakout because he hasn't gotten enough plate appearances to really understand what he is as a hitter. He's like this classic kind of late blooming profile though. Cause if you look through his full seasons, like he hits, he hits the ball. He doesn't strike out and he hits. And um, I'm, 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 I'm premising a lot of this breakout uh, on the idea that catching is low ceiling and, and a low floor. And I think you, you find value where you can. And I don't think Williams, the studio is going to set you back a ton of money at your auction. Like if you're spending five bucks on him, like you got a crazy league. I think you got a lot of Minnesota people in your league. Um, but although like, I think you can find like, if you can find players like that, that you can slot in that. Yeah. I mean, again, given the short season, yeah, that's a deep team, but a studio is one of the big reasons why they're deep. He gives them a ton of positional flexibility he can play like two or three different places in the field and, and he hits and he yeah, strike I, out. And like, I think that can give you like a nice base of a hitter. And, and if he hits the power that he's hit in the past, and then all of a sudden you're talking about a real, like a real baseball player. Yeah. I think the, the, the thing I don't know, the thing that's missing from this is how, how confident the twins are in him. Because the problem I look at when I look at their roster is I don't see him being on their active roster. Like, I, I don't think he's certainly not their number one catcher. I don't think he becomes their number two catcher. Then you look at the the corner infield spots, which are really the only other places I think he can play. And you've got Donaldson at third base now, which pushes Sano to first base. You've still got Cruz locked in at DH. And behind them, you've got Adrianza and Marwin Gonzalez, who both have had good, good years in the past and are both guys that are going to need their plate appearances. And I just don't know that I believe that he's going to like if if the twins look at him and think this guy is going to be a star and he, if he just needs the opportunity and blah, 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 whatever, he'll get his plate appearances. If they think like, you know, his his ability to never strike out keeps his his floor high. And so he's a good guy to have in the organization and we love his flexibility, then he's going to hang around until people get hurt. And if people don't get hurt which might not happen as much. You know, it's a short season. You don't have as many opportunities. He is, just, he's, he's five. He has, he's five different places on twins depth charts, right? Like he's catcher first, third, both corner outfield. Like he is littered throughout the thing, man. He's like 
finishing salt on that lineup. Like he's a reason that there is so much depth in Minnesota. I mean, he is man. He's literally everywhere, and it's delicious, and it hits for power. Like I don't know what else is wrong. <laughs> I, I I feel like I feel like we're experiencing some some Portuga <laughs> propaganda right here. I, I I mean, I like him too, but. I think, you know, to, to push back on Chad a little bit, I think you're right about him being carried on the active roster if it was a normal 25-26 man roster. I think if they do a 30 man roster with a taxi squad, I, I think there's no way he's not. I, I would think he'd be one of those 30. I think he'd be the next guy up. Uh, and that. and that's sort of the situation that and that's sort of the situation that I'm in right now when trying to think of how I'm approaching this year differently than than past years is I want to find those. 26th, 27th best guys on the roster that may not have had an opportunity, but I think can play. Like, I think Asadio, if he's given a chance, you know, he had a bad year last year, but he, but he barely played. Let him, let him prove it again. Let him sprinkle him in with some starts. I think he's going to be, you know, uh, the and fifth then, outfielder. And then maybe. the other thing I mean, is, is we're talking about from a, from a price value situation, right? Like, again, I don't think you're ever going to spend more than three or four, two or three dollars on the studio in an auction like right. so th- this is premised on that as being like two three bucks he's a sleeper man he, he he's gonna get some plate appearances he's all over that lineup's depth chart like on an lmb on roster resource so you have an opportunity there to find some real value and i think that's that's sort of when we were thinking about the exercise of what we want from a sleeper in this catcher position that c isn't going anywhere right so so you have this guy who can slot in here. He might be playing in right field. He might be playing at third base. You don't really know. But he, he fills a lot of gaps. And if, if there's double headers, if there's, um, you know, six games in seven days uh, for a very compressed amount of time, like, I, I don't know why the Twins wouldn't. Like, they need a guy like that. Every team needs a guy like that, you know. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I, I just when I look at the catch position, I think there's just other guys I'm more intrigued okay, so by as potential me, breakouts. Give us one. Give us one who you think is like so. This so a studio is clearly like a value play for me, but you you have a guy who's like a catcher that might become. Yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of Danny Jansen, right? I mean, I think I look at him and he, here's a guy who is is probably in that sort of post hype sleeper phase where he was. Uh, you know, you go back to 2017, he was great in high A, very good in double A, great in a limited experience in triple A, had another great year in triple A in 2018, had a really good major league debut again, only 95 plate appearances in 2018, but still like a really good, solid breakout first, you know, try and then just sucked last year. <laughs> and I, part of that is is BAPIP. I mean, if you look at some other things, like his home run per fly ball rate actually went up, but his fly ball rate tanked and his BAPIP tanked. And like, if your fly ball rate is tanking at the same time your BAPIP is taking, like maybe you're not hitting the ball hard enough. And that certainly could be a concern, although the home run per fly ball rate would suggest otherwise. But it just strikes me as just, he just had a crappy year. And so I look at him as a guy who, um, you know, Zips has him at a 298 Woba. Steamer has him as a 322. So there's a wide range even in the projections on him. And I think even Steamer's low on him. I think the 340 he put up as a rookie in 2018, um, I guess he was still technically a rookie last year, but like, I think that's in line with what he could do. Um, and if he does that, he immediately emerges into that that 
He's not a guy who I think we're going to be talking about is of next year, along with Grendel and Real Muto and Sanchez, but he could be a guy who's moving into that Will Smith, uh, or we put Narvaez, Contreras type conversation, right? Like he absolutely is, is possible. Like it could get in that, that zone and he's, he's cheap. Um, he's a great, to me, he's a great breakout candidate because I think you can get him cheap. He's going to play. And I think he could, he could be a top catcher. And the reality is the Jays are, are grooming their future still, which means that they are going to be nice and patient with him. <laughs> At least they should be. Yeah. Right. Right. He's, he, right. Because yeah, they should be looking way. to say going into 2021, can we be in a situation where Bichette and Biggio and Vlad and Jansen and all these other guys are coming together at the right time. Right. And so I think he's going to get a nice long leash and a real chance to break out. I, I'm not <laughs> sure I buy it. <laughs> Mostly. I mean, I think the talents there, I think that he, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I, we went through this exercise and I, I have a couple names down. I already mentioned Will Smith. I already mentioned Carson Kelly for some reason, I gravitate towards these younger catchers, even though it, I know in, in my mind, I know that it takes a while for some of these catchers to really break out, that it's it's tough for young catchers to come into the league and hit right away. And I think that's what I mean, that's what happened with Jansen. Um, I, I think that we we might see a couple more years of struggle from him before before he really does have his true breakout. It wouldn't surprise me if he broke out this year, though. Um, another guy, again, young catcher, but Sean Murphy for the athletics. I mean, he, he raked last year in a limited sample in the majors and um, in the minors. He, he didn't get a lot of playing time even in the minors, but um, I think that he his talent level and his – I think he's pretty firmly entrenched as their starting catcher, and he's going to be a guy that plays a lot this year and whatever – you know, whatever quantity of games that there are being played. Um, so he's a guy I think that could be a breakout. Yeah. I think um, I, I like him a lot. I, I think um, for me, I still think of him in the prospect camp rather than, than like a sleeper or breakout camp, which maybe isn't fair. And maybe those camps overlap, yeah. obviously. Um, I know like, you know, as I start to think about the, the catcher prospects, um, Adley Rutschman and Joey Bart are the two names that jump out. But like, Murphy might be a guy who needs to be considered with that group, especially if you're focused on what you're going to get this year. Um, he's going to be like, I said, he's going to have that job um, and catchers a tough position. It's a tough position to learn. It's a tough position to break out at right. guys have a hard time with it. And so like the possibility that two, three years from now, we're looking back and saying, why was everybody so sure that Adley and Bart were the, were the stars? Clearly it was Murphy and someone else, a guy like Camposano or something like that's, that's super possible. Um, And you're going to find out about Murphy right now. Uh, And so you're going to have an opportunity to learn and, and, and make some decisions based on what you see there. Right. That's actually, Um, Chad, you want to think of something there? Cause like, that's one of those things again, where like, like when we're orienting our thinking around a shorter season, like you're going to get, you get, you. it's a high variance season, but you're going to get a lot of like opportunity no matter where you are on that depth chart. Right. So like a guy like, like Murphy, like you're talking about, you're going to get to see, you're get 
he's going to get run, right? Like everyone's going to get as much run as anyone else gets. And, and this season is sort of special in that way that we'll get to see that. So I think that's actually a really good takeaway from like, when you, especially thinking about catcher because of where catcher is on a whole um, in 2020, I think you really, I mean, you should be willing to take some risks, but like there's opportunity there, man. That that's, that's a pretty interesting pick. So do we want to talk about um, bust quicks, bust picks quickly? There's <laughs> a tongue twister. Um, I, think, I think Justin, you were you were <laughs> leaning into someone we already talked about. Yeah, I mean, I wrote him down, and I think that 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 catcher being Mitch Garver, I think to me, he is a very high variance guy. I think that he could be for real, and and his you know, his X stats and his stat cast information backs up that this is a real bat. And he is in that conversation as a top catcher for the next couple of years. But I also think that it wouldn't surprise me at all if he completely busts this year, if he, if he goes back to, you know, if he's like a 300 Woba kind of catcher and, and, you know, he just doesn't make as much contact. The power is still there, but it's not actualized as much as it was last year. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he, if he slips back a lot. And a lot of that I think is a function of if people are buying him as if last year was definitely the real Garver, then that's where I think that bust potential comes in. If people aren't doing that, then there may be a better bust pick. But to me, I think he's the guy right now where I see the price outweighs what I think that the true value really is at, at this position. I don't think there's a lot of people that are really going nuts for any catchers in general. Um, I don't know if you guys oh, agree. I, I agree. Not, I think I had a hard time figuring out who, who I was going to pick as a bust because it was like, I couldn't really tell who people liked. <laughs> it's just not that much. But yeah. I went over and looked yeah. at the the NFBC ADP. I know it's not the same as Auto New. It's it's you know mostly five by five. But I, I wanted to try to use it as sort of a gauge of who are the who are those next catchers after the, off the board. And it actually maps really well to what we talked about before. Real Muto, Sanchez, Grandal are the first three. Garver, Contreras, Smith are the next three. The seventh guy off the board is Salvador Perez. And for me, I just think that's a uh, uh, an indefensible place to take him. Um, he like I, I've never been a huge fan of Salvador Perez. He's always faded late in years. Um, he's he's a guy who relies on on you know putting the ball in play and and having it find the ground. He, he isn't doesn't for a ton of power. Doesn't walk a lot. Um, he missed all of last year. He now basically hasn't played a game for you know almost two years. By the time they start this season, ah. Uh, I think the Royals have had a tendency to burn him out. And I think that just caught up with him. And I just like catchers sometimes just disappear off the face of the earth because it is a rough place to play for your whole career. And they drove him into the ground. And I think he's going to stay there. Oh, well, yeah. I think that's a little bit of a technicality, Chad, because Salvador Perez is not catcher eligible in auto new. So you will have to try again. <laughs> he's going to get, he's going to get his five games. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if you think about it, okay, so here's another valuation question with a guy like Perez. Normally, in a normal season, I would still value him at catcher, even though he's technically only util eligible because you know he's going to get it in it's five games. Really, now it becomes yeah. it's 10 games effectively if it's if it's only 80 games. So that could really, in a guy like Perez, that, that really could change his value by a couple dollars that 
five games is a lot more onerous to get to when you're only playing yeah. 50? Yeah, I think, 55, 60? I think we don't my, know my what only, the games so, are going to be. If he were a shortstop, I might agree with you. Um, at catcher, because of the way catch, catcher is structured and auto new, I'm going to own a couple catchers anyways. I'm going to only count on so many games out of each of them anyways. Yes, I'm going to lose the first five that he starts, which is going to be a big chunk. Um, but then I can use him for the rest, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to be in danger of failing to meet my games played because I have to use my backup because I'm, I'm already planning to use my backup. So I, I don't know. Now I'm making an argument in favor of a guy who I just said is not worth owning and whatever. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm less. I'm well, less worried about but the you... positional eligibility piece for catchers. If uh, assuming it's a guy like. Salvador Perez, who's going to get it, right? Like, it's a very different thing when yeah, you've got those guys who are like, this first baseman might play a little bit of outfield. And it's like, okay, well, if he plays once every 10 games in the outfield, that used to be a reasonable, like, two-thirds of a yeah, season as an outfielder. Now it's maybe none. I think when, you know, when I was fielding questions about Salvador Perez and his, and his eligibility, though, I think if you're having that conversation in, and I'll say, like, uh, January or whatever, when people are putting their keep reports together and everything, um, I'm like, yeah, well, I mean, I'm not really worried about it because uh, by April 5th, that dude's going to have catching eligibility. Now, like, I mean, it's not it's 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 not just a big percentage of the season, but it's it's probably two weeks because he's going to get days off and, and all that stuff. Like the if there is the 30 30 man roster uh, taxi squad situation that Justin was sort of uh, thinking about, like. I'd be I'd be worried about it because catching games are hard to get anyway, unless you decide to own an entire platoon. And if you own an entire platoon, uh, you have at least one bad catcher, right? Like we, like that's sort of like the way it works. So um, yeah. So I'd be a little bit worried about having Sal Perez. I think um, I would definitely be worried about having him at the price that people seem to be auctioning him at right now, or in recent uh, in the recent auctions, but. Um, yeah, I'd be a little worried about him for the reasons, Chad, that you mentioned. I think the other issue, too, is that, like, for me, especially in points leagues, his value has always been in a very high floor, low ceiling, just points accumulator in terms yeah, of he's, yeah. he's playing a lot. Yeah. And, and if, if he's already right off the bat, he doesn't have eligibility, and this is a weird short season, I don't know that there's a, there's any value in that in this year's um market. I, I think really you want to try to identify catchers that are high ceiling and not the the, the high floor guys. Um, because I think that's going to be more important to actually maximizing. Because if you're mixing and matching a bunch of guys, it doesn't benefit you as much to have one guy that's only getting 3.9 points per game, but he's playing a lot. That doesn't really help you right. as much, I don't think. So. Um, well, for my bust, I have literally all catchers. So like, don't don't even invest in this position. I think. I think um, you know Sanchez is probably in your auction, probably available in your auction. If you're in a new league, obviously you guys, someone should chase Grandal and chase Real Muto. But a lot of those guys are kept, and uh, you're not going to get a guy who is going to hold that position down by himself this year. You're just not going to do it. I think find three two dollar guys, spend six dollars their total. Um, and and try to work around the waiver, you know, auctions and waivers, and and put together a composite catcher that you can be happy with, to not totally tank your team. I think that's the way you play it this year. I think that's the way I generally play catcher, unless I fall into a stud, unless I fall into like 
one of these guys we talked about at the very beginning of the of the episode. But generally, like, just try to not let catcher be the black hole that tanks your entire offense. And there's there's like two or three possessions I think like that. And as we go through these position breakdowns, like it's going to become pretty obvious where where I invest and where I choose not to. But I think catcher's a place. Spend six bucks total. Figure out how you want to spend that six bucks and and put together a guy that won't totally uh, destroy the good work you do in other places. That's the way I think about it. Don't worry about butts because nobody's going to break out. Nobody's good. Just don't worry about it. If you get any upside is huge. It, it, it. A so it's, bit. it's nihilist. I certainly Ca- I don't think I'm a strategy from across all positions, but I am certainly a bit of a nihilist across catchers. Like it's especially in like the way it looks right now. If you can fall into a real Muto or a or a Grandal or a Sanchez, like absolutely go for that. Um, but you cannot orient your offense around um, being plus at every every single position. I don't think that's a way you can play auto new. So. So catcher is one of those places where I'd be just willing to um, take a back seat and use those dollars uh, in the outfield at um, corner corner infield that kind of place. Okay, so I mean Niv just basically laid out his position <laughs> strategy for this year for catcher. Chad, Chad, do you do you agree or would you do you have a different sort of avenue that you're going to be targeting so this year? I, at the catcher it's position? a it's a weird year this year, but I think in the past I've done a lot of different approaches at, at catcher. Um, I think I've, I've gone through years where I've completely punted the catcher position at the draft and then assumed that, you know, April, late April, May, June, somebody will be selling a catcher. I can buy a couple. I'll find a breakout. And between that, I'll piece together 162 games played over the last hundred games of the year. Um, I really like that strategy. I also like the opposite of that, which is spend big at catcher, go get a couple guys I'm really excited about and assume that in June or July, I'll have nearly filled up my games and I'll trade one or both of them and, you know, figure out catcher the rest of the way that way. Um, And I think those are both off the table this year, especially if it ends up being like a 50 or 60 game season. There's just not going to be enough time for people to feel comfortable, at least for me to feel comfortable punting on the position and yeah, 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 I'll get someone later. Like nobody, there may be nobody selling. So um, I think this year uh, in points leagues, I'm going to be chasing those games played early. It means I'm probably in points leagues, making sure I've got a catcher I'm feeling good about to start the year. I'm probably carrying three catchers rather than two. Um, If I'm, I'm watching for breakouts, a catcher, so I can pick up an extra one if I need one quickly in, in four by four and Roto leagues. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. Actually, I haven't really decided. Like we have a draft tomorrow, Justin. That's a four by four, um, and I don't know what I'm going to do at catcher because part of me thinks like, you know, how much over over the number of games played a catcher is going to play. How much is there? Are they really going to matter? They're going to hurt your rates in most cases, which is half of a four by four offense. And they're just not going to make that big of a difference over, let's call it 60 to 70 games. Um, they're just not going to make that big of a difference over 67 games in, in runs and home runs in most cases. And so I, I think I'm going to sort of punt the position. I think I'll, I'll wait around and figure out who are the guys I can get for two, three bucks. I'll grab two or three of them because I'm going to need two or three of them. 
and or maybe I'll just go with two of them. And if I don't fill up my games played in a four by four, so be it. Yeah. But I, I think I'm gonna just right. I don't hunt on the catcher position. Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially in a roto league. And and I don't think you need to worry that the, the pressure to, to meet the games cap is just not nearly as high in the roto leagues, especially because you can sort of play around that if you if you focus on a guy. I mean, Asadio might be a good fit there if you just wanted to get a guy who's got a decent average and he's not going to hurt you there. He's not going to give you many counting stats, but you're just sort of punting on the position with a one dollar um, guy that's not going to hurt you in a couple spots, uh, you know, yeah, that well, could be the other play. the other type of um, thing that now that I'm thinking about it, maybe the right play for this position, maybe for others too, but certainly for this position is um, guys like you, you mentioned. You, we didn't get a chance to talk about him when we were talking prospects before, but Dalton Varsho is a guy that I know that you're you're interested in, Justin, and like maybe there's guys like that where it's like I'm just gonna go get two or three cheap catchers in the hopes that one of them sticks around as my starter next year. Right. And that's what it really becomes about a catcher is like, how do I plan for 2021 while getting enough production in 2020 that catcher doesn't fully just completely sink me? Um, But I go out and I grab Danny Jansen, Dalton Varsho, and one other guy in that sort of prospect y, breakout y space and assume that I'm going to walk out of this season with a pretty mediocre catcher performance, but it's not going to matter over such a short season. And I'm going to walk into next year with a catcher. Yeah. And, and I think for me, that's my strategy primarily would be if I can get one of that top tier at a fair price, I want to get one of those top catchers. I don't think I'm going to be able to get them at a, at a fair price, so given that, I'm going to try to get three sort of middle tier guys, like a lot of these guys that we've been talking about, maybe a, a Will Smith coupled with a Sean Murphy and then Dalton Varsho as my third catcher as a lottery ticket. Um, I think that's where I'm leaning right now. But if I end up with like if I were doing all of my leagues right now and I was doing brand new auctions and all of them, there's probably a few of those leagues where I don't invest at all that I have $1 catchers in two or three spots and I just roll with it. I'm, I'm bumping um, Varsho and Murphy up my <laughs> for tomorrow already. You guys are giving each you other should. a lot Go of, ahead. Uh, a lot of table talk about what tomorrow's you, auction you know, is going to look like. <laughs> well, well, tomorrow's auction is going to be uh, not a typical one for me. So, um, anybody that that thinks that they are they know what I'm going to do, they're going to be surprised because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't so. think anybody in that league knows <laughs> it's going to be. Do. No, everyone's like <laughs> it's such a weird time to be drafting and such a strange situation to be drafting. And I think everyone's just like, uh, and this is a league for those who don't know. Um, it's a league that we formed with people that we we usually are talking about food and travel with. It's like a lot of like recipe sharing, beer sharing, stuff like that. And so it's uh I expect it'll be a competitive league. It's a bunch of auto new veterans, people who know the format, but it isn't a league that people are going into thinking like, this is the league where I'm going to crush everyone. It's just sort of like, Hey, this would be a cool group to get together and have a league. And I think we're going to see people do some weird stuff because I think they're just having fun with it. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know. What, that's what I'm going to be doing. And I think, ha- I think half the guys haven't played yeah. before either. So that, that always adds an interesting dynamic when, you know, yes. what do we do? <laughs> I don't know how to value guys in this format. So we're going to, we're going to see some interesting results, I think. So, all right. Well, we spent 55 minutes talking about the that Most of us don't uh, even like that. Much. That's good. 
Right, right. We preface this by saying this this was probably the least interesting or important position yeah, this it's, year. It's, but, inter- it's interesting. Um, I don't know if it's important, are, but it's certainly interesting. I think there's a lot. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think I think it's much more interesting <laughs> than it is important. So um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here. Um, I, w- what position were we planning on? We're gonna go right into first base and just yeah, just go around the diamond. Around is that what our plan is? Is that what you want to do, Chad? Okay. Yeah, sounds good. We'll do fort first base next time. All right. Well, thank you everybody again who takes the time to listen to these. Um, if you guys. Uh, had a chance to listen to us or, or watch our presentation at PitchCon. We really enjoyed doing that. Um, you should check it out if you haven't already. Um, but thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys next time.